spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Beachside Roofing. Aloha and good morning. It is Wednesday, January 5th. It is 1030 here in Hawaii, which means it's time for Spotlight Hawaii on the platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. I'm Ryan Galesuji, joined by Yanji Denise. And Yanji, uh, as we begin a new year like we do every year, we start looking ahead towards the legislative session. And this morning we'll be, taking, we'll be speaking to two leaders who will have a big role in the upcoming legislative session. That's right. Session starts on January 19th. So joining us now to give us an outlook, a preview of what's ahead is House Speaker Scott Psyche, along with Senate President Ron Kochi. Gentlemen, good morning. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Thank you good for morning. the invite. Yeah, same here. Thank you. So, Mr. Speaker, I'll start with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're feel how you're feeling right now, given the spiking numbers that we're seeing. What more do you think the state, specifically the legislature, can do uh, to help with what's happening right now in our community when it comes to COVID? Yeah, so Yunji, we you know we've have been seeing for the past couple of years that the legislature's top priority is public health and safety. And we want to make sure that the state government is equipped to deal with um, you know, the pandemic and surges that are occurring and which is occurring right now. So I think we have to go to, you know, one thing we have to do is go back to the basics to make sure that all of our public health infrastructure is in place for screening, testing, uh, contact tracing, um, and quarantine. We have to make sure that those protocols are in place, um, that they're funded, that we have the capacity to handle that. I also think that, um, you know, it may be time for us to assess uh revising the definition of a vaccination to include a booster you know as um the science and um as the science and, and, and medicine advances we need to um include those advancements in in our health protocols and i think vaccination vaccinations to include boosters is one of those areas and senator Prenda, to expand a little more on going into the legislative session how uh is the current events of what's happening with COVID-19 impacting the priorities and budgets and things that uh, you folks will be initiating moving into this session? Because we know that there obviously is a majority package that gets put forth. Uh, how much of that has been influenced by what's happening now? I think the most uh, important influence by what's happening now is uh, the continued restrictions on foreign travel. Uh, the Asian visitors were the largest spenders in uh, of our visitors that uh, come to Hawaii. And so while well, we've seen with uh, discounted airline fares and uh, deals on the hotels, a uh, continued stream of visitors from the United States, uh, they have spent less. They've been able to secure deals that, uh, you know, really weren't available before, but without getting the Asian visitors, the daily spend isn't there. So it comes even it becomes even more important to uh, maintain uh, some semblance of control of the flow of the visitors. And, uh, you know, how do we protect our infrastructure? How do we ensure positive outcomes for our residents? 
uh, and the visitors alike? And how do we make sure that visitors are paying for the impacts that they are creating on our uh, infrastructure and the natural resource because we have less dollars to work with uh, without the Asian visitors coming. So following up on that, um, Mr. President, do you think that we should have some kind of a tourism tax? Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, uh, you know, they've been talking about eco fees or impact fees. Is, is that something you're looking at? Uh, yes, the, the there are members in the Senate who are looking at the eco fee, but the fees that we've already got in place started back in 2018 with the flooding on the north shore of Kauai. Uh, they put a carrying capacity of 900 visitors a day at Kihei Beach, the end of the road on the North Shore. And that was to manage the resource and get the vehicles off of the side of the road. They'd be parked on both sides. And if you had a med medical emergency, an emergency vehicle couldn't get to you. There are reservations and there are fees for the visitors who come in and there's a fee to park the cars. and. Uh, you know, while it generated some money, it was more about managing the resource. When the pandemic hit and HANA started getting overrun, Senator English, who had visited uh, KA Beach and saw the process there, implemented that at Wainapanapa. And with the parking fee and uh, visitor fee, they're scheduled to generate $3.5 million annually. They're about to implement uh, fee structure at Diamond Head. They are looking at Iao Needle. I would believe Kokei on Kauai would be another park and a couple of parks on uh, the Hawaii Island. And so we could be generating over $20 million a year without adding any new taxes uh, to what we have. And that would be committed to upgrading our infrastructure, uh, protecting the natural resource, hiring adequate personnel to wind up uh, doing the enforcement, and then the personnel to maintain the facilities like the bathrooms uh, at, in in these areas. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that that's going to be an important tool going forward in managing uh, the visitors that come and uh, protecting the resource. If I guess, could I just jump in real quickly? I think a couple of things. Um, you know, last year the legislature approved the the fee um, for uh, the visitors' use of public parks in our state, as the president mentioned. So we're hopeful that the DLNR is going to be implementing that program quickly. The other fee that we impose, um, which basically is on visitors, is a rental car fee, and that will um, that will take effect uh, soon. So I think in these two key areas, we you know the legislature made some you know great strides last year to try to um you know have visitors pay their fair share when they visit hawaii you know to follow up on on this topic as we continue to discuss these taxes and implementation of it uh something else that drew a lot of headlines at the end of last legislative session was the change in the structure in which uh, the TAT would be moving forward with the counties now able to charge an additional 3% uh, and with the state taking back their portion as well. Uh, you know, I wanted maybe, Speaker, if we can start with you, what have uh, you heard from that from the counties in terms of the implementation of this? And can we expect any more changes to this um, tax or any other type of tax moving forward uh, that may also impact what is currently the, the structure that is uh, has been established after last legislative session? Yes, I think that the well, the counties have um, approved their surcharges, and I think that once they looked at the numbers and realized what the 
you know, the revenue take would be that they, I think they were okay with it for the most part. And, you know, for them, the challenge would be how, how do they spend that additional revenue? Um, and that was legislation that we approved last year to address, um, you know, the, the state's subs, subsidy of county services over the years. The, the, the number of programs and services that we have been subsidizing on the county level has um, increased over the years. So we wanted to give the counties um, some autonomy and ability to raise raise the, raise their own revenue. Um, I want to go back to COVID for a moment. You know, school is going back into session, and there was actually a front page uh, article today about the protocols that private schools have put in place. They highlighted, highlighted Punahou, Iolani, and Kamehameha schools at, and talking about the precautions. Uh, the public schools do not have a uniform system when it comes to this. It does sound like there could be some testing availability at some schools, but not this sort of strict protocol that we're seeing made, you know, made available to some students in our community. What more do you think can be done for students and for families knowing that, you know, it, it's a resource challenge. We're, we're aware of that. But um, the disparity between these two groups of students has never been more obvious than during the pandemic. So, um, you know, Senator President, let's start with you. Do you think that there should be more testing in schools themselves? What, what more can be done? Well, I think more testing uh, in any area would be better and uh, it, it would be helpful. Uh, hopefully Superintendent or Interim Superintendent Hayashi will be able to uh, formulate a clearer statewide plan for all of the schools to utilize. And while we're discussing testing, one of the biggest issues that, uh, you know, the principals that I've talked to on Kauai are facing, and I believe it's statewide, is when you have someone who has to isolate because of uh, the close contact or a teacher whose child they now need to take care of at home. It's finding substitute teachers and just having enough teachers available. And so the principals are scrambling. Uh, I talked to Principal Angwai of Waimea High School yesterday, and I'm trying to schedule a Zoom meeting, but it has to be after 10 a.m. because she has no sub and she's physically doing the, substi the, the substitute teacher in in the morning, uh, they've had, uh, you know, faculty have to fill in at the cafeteria because they've not had enough cafeteria workers able to show up. So, well, uh, the newest strain of COVID has not resulted in as many hospitalizations uh, with the people who've had to quarantine. It has created shortages in the workforce that has created impacts in every industry, not just schools. You know, you hear about all of the airline delays because they can't get flight crews and uh, the ramp crews to handle the baggage and uh, restaurants not being able to stay open because they don't have enough people showing up to work. So I, I think that's one of the biggest impacts of the newest strain that, well, not as severe in hospitalizations, the people that still need to isolate have dramatically reduced available people in the workforce. And Speaker, if I can ask you, you know, when we're looking at COVID-19 and the restrictions and, you know, the things that have been put into place by the counties, are you satisfied uh, with the leadership uh, by the mayors and by the governor to allow the county mayors to have this authority in making these decisions rather than uh, having him necessarily 
lead with a statewide protocol. Uh, your thoughts on where we're at right now with restrictions and, and if you support what's happening right now? Yeah, so I think that at the, the time when a couple of months ago, when the governor um, delegated the responsibility to the to the mayors, um, I think that was appropriate. I think that um, the mayors uh, have a, a sense of what the needs are uh, within their own counties or within their own islands. So I think that was that was a good move. Um, we have to make sure that the mayors have you know the resources to stand up the kind of programs that they need to keep their islands safe, um, their residents safe. Um, I think that. Uh, you know, while saying that there's also a, a it is also appropriate for some statewide um, protocols to be, remain in place. And I think one of those is, is a safe travels program that that should be administered on a statewide basis because that that impacts every per individual in our state. So, um, but for the most part, I think it was appropriate for the governor to 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 uh, call on the mayors. Yeah, and Senator Kochi, same question for you. Are you satisfied with the restrictions that are in place? And, and what do you think of having each county be able to make those decisions as opposed to having a uniform statewide policy? Well, again, as the speaker mentioned, I think the biggest concern when the governor put in uh, the uniformity requirement and his approval was to have a more or a clear uh, unified position on how you would travel in and out of Hawaii and not uh, have confusion and, uh, you know, have that kind of clarity. Since the vaccinations have become uh, readily available, uh, the mayors, for the most part, have felt that, uh, you know, they would like to see some of the economic activity restored and, uh, you know, restore the residents' ability to move around. And each island is different. Each island's uh, health system is different as far as available beds. And so I think it's appropriate that the mayors are currently making the decisions that they feel are appropriate uh, for their communities. Uh, and uh, at, at this point, you've seen, uh, you know, a little bit of a different set of rules on the Hawaii Island on Maui. And now with Mayor Blangiardi's latest announcement, he's he's got something that the other uh, counties don't have in their rules, but obviously, you know, Oahu has 80% of the population. So what, what they face is a lot different than what Maui, Hawaii Island, uh, Kauai, Molokai, Lanai would face. Staying on this topic, uh, speaking of the governor, uh, Speaker Saki, I'll start with you. Wanted to get your thoughts on the governor's budget that he has proposed and uh, just what highlights or what stands out to you after you had a chance to review that uh, with members uh, of your body. Yes, I guess, you know, the good news is that um, the state is uh, expecting um, an unanticipated increase, a significant increase in tax revenue this year. Um, you know, it's it's always like a it's always like, you know, good and bad because then it is actually challenging sometimes to figure out how to spend those funds. And I think that, you know, the governor's proposed budget um, allocated a uh, billion dollars to the rainy day fund. I, I don't think that. Um, that that will uh, survive the the legislative process this year because you know I think what we need to do is to fund to use these extra tax revenues to fund some of the needs that have that are unmet and that need that have has suffered over the past few years. Um, I don't think we should focus in on costs that are going to be recurring like new programs. We should fix things that need to be fixed now now that we have this additional tax revenue. 
You know, Senator Kochi, I want to ask you about a sort of uh, something that's been talked about quite a bit, and that is the idea of limiting the governor's emergency powers. Uh, this is not unique to Hawaii. If you look at legislative bodies across the country in the wake of the pandemic and governors exercising their powers, there's been a lot of pushback from state houses across the country. What's your thought on limiting the uh, governor's emergency authorization powers? Uh, well, we'll be revisiting the issue again, it was debated and at the end of the day, we decided not to adopt the bill to curtail the power, but as uh, you know, COVID has, uh, I shouldn't even say lingered as COVID has remained such a powerful force in our community uh, and the length of the emergency continues to get extended. We'll, we'll revisit it. I, I do think though that I'd like to mention something about the budget. The governor talked about the units that uh, were built under his administration and the units that are scheduled to be built. And we certainly want to see what, and by built, those are projects already in the shoot. Uh, we really need to continue to look at developing more and more affordable housing. Uh, Hawaii has become an interesting a destination for people to do their work remotely with an average or median price of a home at nearly a million dollars in each of the four counties. I, I agree with the speaker and I think some of the billion dollar rainy day fund needs to be committed to upgrade our uh, commitment to deliver not just affordable housing, the Ohana zones and flexibility for each county to deal with transitional housing for homeless and homeless programs, I think would be important. The homeless situation has only gotten worse during the pandemic. And so we're needing, we're gonna need to make that kind of commitment. And I am thrilled because representative Nadine Nakamura from Kauai, uh, the same district I represent the island of Kauai is the housing chair uh, for the state house. And so I'm looking at having a great partnership with representative Nakamura and working on uh, getting more affordable housing and transitional homeless housing across the state and making sure Kauai gets our fair share. Can I jump in real quickly on the emergency powers? Um, yes, please. You know, I think that the issue there was um, not necessarily the power itself because you know the governor should have emergency powers, especially when there's a natural disaster. I think the issue was the, the amount of the length of time that these orders were in effect, you know, they were basically in effect for almost two two years. And I think as a result, what we saw was there were times when the orders were confusing or conflicted with what the counties were issuing. Uh, so I think, you know, one of the proposals we'll see this year in the House is um, to allow the legislature to um, vote, to basically uh, vote down uh, a proclamation in whole or in part. And I, you know, I would hope that we, we we can use that at a time when a, an order has gone on for too long and it's creating confusion. So from a tactical and technical standpoint, I should say, how would that work if the legislature is not in session and the governor is issuing an emergency order uh, that requires uh, immediate action, say a natural disaster or something of that nature? Would the legislature then have to assemble quickly uh, with members flying in in order to debate uh, the decision or the order that is coming through? Yeah, the proposal is to uh, have the legislature vote on a resolution that we, we would require a two thirds vote of both the House and the Senate to override um, a, an order, either in whole or in part. So, yeah, we would have to reconvene for a day.
Okay. Um, I want to ask you both about Red Hill because this is, of course, such an important issue. And we've had uh, Ernie Lau from the Board of Water Supply on here several times now. One of the things that he has said on this program and elsewhere is that the, uh, the Halava shaft and potentially two other wells that are shut down right now as a precaution, um, all, the water's testing fine, but they just don't know how fast that fuel could migrate over, could mean that they would need to drill new wells, find new sources of water, and in the meantime have restrictions. Of course, you know, that, that billion dollar fund that you're talking about, if it were uh, sort of, at, you know, the rainy day fund could probably be taken up by that and then some. So what are your thoughts on what's happening with Red Hill right now? Um, are you satisfied with the Navy's approach? And, and what are your concerns long, long term when it comes to uh, Oahu's water supply? Sen Senator Kochi, we'll start with you. Well, um, I, I would be supportive of the congressional delegation. They've uh, been closest to it. I know Senator Kaheli has been out uh, a couple of times, and uh, he and uh, some other members will be going to Red Hill again tomorrow. Uh, you know, we've had a meeting of the Mil Military Affairs Council scheduled for tomorrow and Friday, so I'll have an opportunity to talk uh, to the the leaders in the Navy, but. Uh, you know, there's been a recommended course of action from the Department of Health, a uh, recommended course of action from Ernie Lau and the Department of Water and from our legislative delegation and the Navy has been fighting what uh, the state and the county would like to see happen and, the, and our congressional delegation. So we're going to have to find a way to uh, resolve the problem, but uh, it is of great concern and, uh, you know, clearly there's a potential threat to our water system and I don't agree with the statement that there is no imminent threat to the water system and the safety for the people of Oahu. And Speaker Segi, your thoughts? Yeah, so, you know, uh, I agree with the Health Department's order uh, to require the Navy to shut down the facility. Um, you know, when this uh, when this issue first came up a couple of months ago, 40, 48 of the House members signed a letter uh, to the Defense Secretary asking that the that the that the Navy begin the process of defueling and decommissioning the fuel tanks. Um, I think there's three areas that we need to focus on when, as we go into this next session, uh, and these are containment, remediation, and prevention. I think those are the three topics that the legislature needs to help um, oversee to make sure that all of the parties are are conf you know are, are fo following through on each of these areas. Um, when it comes to funding, uh, cleanups, or whatever else is needed, you know my belief is that state taxpayers should not be asked to pay for any any of these costs. The federal government needs to be responsible for those costs. They cannot place that burden on on state taxpayers because the the amounts are going to be just in incredible going forward. Switching gears when we're talking about procedural things that are happening within the legislative body. Of course, when things come down to the wire at the end of session during conferencing, things can get a little crazy. Uh, and there is a tactic and practice, of course, that has become known as that gut and replace where a language is often inserted into other bills uh, because uh, there is other, there is no other mechanism to help drive any policy moving forward. The judici judiciary currently taking a look at that right now, changing that option and what would be available for lawmakers moving forward 
uh, Speaker Saeed, your thoughts uh, on this issue as it's kind of unfolding and uh, how you feel that would impact the overall legislative process moving forward? Yeah, so, I, you know, I agree with the Supreme Court's decision. Um, I, I, I've never really um, felt comfortable with um, gutting and replacing bills. Um, there are times when there's an emergency and we have to, uh, you know, we have to amend a bill to address an emergency. I think we'll have to figure out how to handle that going forward. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, um, I agree. I think that the public should be given notice of, of the content of legislation as it moves to, through the process. And, um, you know, we should, we should really, it, uh, it requires the legislature to really think through proposals at the start of the session um, and to plan for the session. Senator Kochi, your thoughts? Uh, you know, I don't have much to add to what the speaker said. I mean, you know, the court has ruled, so we'll need to operate in accordance with the law. And when I was being interviewed by Kevin Dayton uh, for an article he was doing, he said, well, I'm doing some research. If you do an amendment, well, gee, all you have to do is maybe extend the session for a week. And it sounded pretty simple. And I reminded Kevin that the moment the legislature says we are going to have to extend for a week to hold additional hearings because we didn't get the work done in 60 days, the first thing the press does is calculate how much is this special session going to cost. And then the legislature gets called to task for not being efficient and effective and now uh, wasting taxpayers' dollars. So, you know, when these emergencies hit, we're going to have to figure out, uh, you know, how we're going to be able to deal with it. And I, I just bring that up because, uh, you know, if we need to extend to deal with an emergency and meet the legal deadline outlined by the court, there will be additional costs that are going to be involved. But in the case of an emergency, I guess necessary and something that we'll have to do. You know, before we run out of time here, we only have five minutes, but Senator President, I, I want to get your thoughts on what's happening at the University of Hawaii. Of course, the, uh, a lot happening with the football team and uh, calls for the resignation of the coach. Uh, we know that the Senate has had a special hearing on this. Uh, your thoughts, do you think that this is something that the legislature and bodies, uh, you know, you know, a Senate committee needs to be involved in? Well, the, the chairs are interested in hearing. We've all been receiving calls and questions about what's going on. And while they say that the transfer portal is, uh, you know, something that is difficult to deal with and creating the problems, but they aren't the amount of transfers that are occurring at uh, other schools. And, uh, you know, so at, at this point, they'd like to get some answers, uh, you know, unfortunately being overshadowed in this is raising the championship banner from the outstanding program uh, that Charlie Wade and the men's program are running and they won the national championship last year. Uh, Talked to the coach of the water polo team and she has, a, you know, outstanding team and they have a 3.4, I think, grade point average and uh, 327. So there's so many other good things happening with the University of Hawaii, the athletic department, and the job that Dave Matlin is doing. And we just want to be sure all of the programs are being run as efficiently and effectively as the ones that are great. Before I leave, though, I do want to say nationally, more so than here in Hawaii, there have been issues about hate crimes against Asians. And this has made a high profile. And what happened in November 
too quietly in Hawaii, I believe, and I'd like to bring attention to, is Speaker Psyche was elected as uh, president of the National State Association of Counties. It is all 50 legislative bodies across the country, Puerto Rico, and he's in a unique position to highlight the incredible achievements of Asian Americans and be a voice and a leader uh, against the hate crimes that have been uh, perpetrated against Asians across the country. And I just want to congratulate Speaker Psyche. He's the first Asian to lead the National Conference of State Legislators and the first Hawaii legislator elected to that position. Thanks, uh, President. It's a co-presidency with Kochi, of course. But, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's NCSL, not the count, not the National Counties Association. Oh, NCSL. Yeah, NCSL. I can't get rid of my county background. <laughs> um, before we let you both go, I want to just give people who perhaps have not been keeping up with this, you know, we, we've got two weeks before the start of the session. Again, it's not next Wednesday, but the one after that. Uh, the the building itself is, is under restriction. Can you tell us just a little bit about what governing is going to look like if people want to submit testimony you know a lot of that obviously has been online and people were really hoping hoping to be able to come and meet lawmakers in person uh speaker psyche what is it going to be what's the protocol going to be like uh come two weeks yeah so you know you you have to uh start off by saying that it was a painful decision for the president and me and for our members to decide to close the building i mean we agonized it over over this for weeks and had to finally make the call yesterday because of the rising uh, cases. Um, you know, so last year when we did close the building, uh, we did have um, you know remote proceedings. We built up the IT system to handle uh, remote testimony, remote participation. We're going to continue with that system. We'll be providing more details to the public on what that will look like and what the procedures are. Uh, but we do want to make sure that we maximize uh, public participation. Uh, while the while the building is closed, and again, as we mentioned earlier, we will revisit this issue in a couple of weeks or in a few weeks um, and see if numbers go down and um, you know allows us to reopen the building. Well, uh, we're unfortunately out of time. Half an hour goes quick when we have so many issues and uh, topics to discuss, but we really appreciate you being on the program this morning, uh, both to you, uh, Speaker Psyche, and Senate President Ron Kochi. Thanks so much. And we look forward to hopefully speaking with you throughout the uh, legislative session and get more updates as we move through uh, what looks to be a very busy legislative session. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us today. Thank you. Well, we certainly covered a lot of ground and we appreciate their time. There's a lot that is going to be on the table from that for them, from Red Hill to COVID to the budget and beyond. Uh, it does sound, Ryan, like they have uh, looked at what the governor has laid out and said that that rainy day fund uh, is just too big and that they want to commit those monies to other things. Um, and also talking about perhaps restricting the emergency powers by being able to overturn some of those proclamations by a two thirds vote. Yeah, not surprising that the legislature maybe d does not agree with everything that the governor is proposing. From I mean, it, it is something that, of course, happens every year. Uh, the governor al always lays out uh, his priorities and his agendas. And oftentimes we see the legislative body having their own the thoughts on how things should proceed. And, and really, that's what the process is about, about going back and forth and trying to find commonality with that. And, and essentially what happens at the end of the session is what uh, changes at the 
you know, survive as a result of that. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to track to see how those emergency powers will be changed. And if that is something that will move through the legislative session, you also heard that they do agree with the uh, governor's decision to allow the county mayors to have the authority to manage COVID-19, to allow them to decide what restrictions they want to implement. Uh, you've heard from, uh, you know, Senator Kochi, who said, who noted that each county is different and that each county has a different set of rules. And so far, both of the leaders that we spoke to today are in agreement with the governor and allowing the county mayors to make that call. Yeah. And another thing that could happen county by, by county that the um, the Senate president talked about also was imposing more fees on tourists. These are location specific fees. He said they could raise up to $20 million a year uh, by limiting access to certain uh, you know high profile destinations. And that could also help with the impact, the environmental impact of having so many visitors. This is a response to having uh, a lower spend, but of course, uh, plenty of visitors coming from the continental United States and uh, missing out on the international visitors. So they're trying to figure out how do we make up some of that money? And that could be, uh, while also, of course, protecting these cultural resources, and that could be by imposing fees to visit specific sites, uh, something that was talked about a lot uh, last session and something that we are expecting to see this one. And we heard at the end of the, uh, the, our program and our time with them, uh, you heard there that the Capitol will remain closed and that all testimony and meeting requests will have to be done virtually uh, and communication will have to be done virtually from the general public as uh, lawmakers have decided once again uh, to go virtual this year and keep the Capitol closed during this legislative session. We'll see if that remains throughout the session, if things improve and if they open things back up. Uh, but unfortunately, once again, uh, it looks like lawmakers will be meeting uh, you know, uh, privately and not something that will be open to the public. Yeah, and of course, that is in response to the rising case counts. Today, we had over 2,200 cases reported for throughout the state. I'm oh, sorry, 2,600. 2,611 is the case count today, and that case count is fluctuating, but it continues to go up. Um, we heard Mayor Blangiardi earlier this morning impose some restrictions on large indoor gatherings. Uh, one voice in our community who is really calling for more restrictions and a lot more testing is Dr. Scott Miskovich. Uh, he's a expert when it comes to testing and tracking the pandemic. Pandemic, and he's going to be joining us Friday right here at 1030. He's got a lot of thoughts also about students going back to school. So please do join us then right here Friday, 1030 on Spotlight Hawaii. We'll see you then. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Beachside Roofing.